this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath tensions are rising in northern syria along the border with turkey an area that is already facing a grave humanitarian crisis following a decade long civil war Now Turkey which has already carried out four on ground offensives in Syria since 2016 has announced that it could launch another big military operation against the US backed Syrian Democratic Forces or SDF as it's known the SDF is largely made up of the Kurdish People Protection Units also known as the YPG and Turkey believes YPG to be behind a major bomb blast in Istanbul that happened on November 13th the sdf and the ypg have of course denied any involvement so what exactly is driving turkey's militaristic policy in syria can russia and the us both of which have military presence in syria stop turkey from staging another military incursion and what could be the implications of another turkish invasion on the security of prisons in syria where thousands of islamic state fighters are locked up We explore all these questions and more with Stanley Johnny the Hindu's international affairs editor. Stanley thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Ambak. So uh, to start with there have been these reports uh, which suggest that Turkey has given a two week deadline to Russia and the US to sort of get the SDF to withdraw from certain border areas a Manbij Tal Rifat Kobani and so on and Turkey has also said that if the SDF does not withdraw it will then go on and conduct a ground operation so can you unpack what this is all about why the sudden urgency to launch another invasion into syria so according to the turks the trigger was the november 13 blast which turkey says was carried out by pkk the kurdistan workers party as well as their syrian uh, brothers which both pkk and ypg have denied any involvement in we don't know what actually happened we don't know whether turkey is using this as a excuse for their military incursions into uh, syria but what we know is that turkey always wanted to do this irrespective of what happened on november 13 because turkey as you pointed out in the intro the turkey turkey has already made um, several incursions into northern and northeastern syria and from turkey's point of view just look at the border right in turkish southeast which is the uh, northern kurdistan turkey has been fighting the pkk for decades for over two decades and turkey managed to suppress the pkk at least militarily their political will remains solid but at least militarily they managed to suppress pkk but then the syrian civil war breaks out turkey's initial calculation was that it would support the islamists across the border and bring down bashar al-assad who is an alawite not a sunni and it could be his regime could be replaced by a new sunni regime and turkey which is ruled by justice and development party akp which is uh, an islamist uh, brotherhood type political organization turkey was also betting on the muslim brotherhood movements in libya uh, in egypt uh, in tunisia at that time this was at the peak of the arab spring so turkey's foreign policy calculation at that at that point of time was to expand its influence through the movement the islamist movements so in syria also turkey took the same line 
but the syrian civil war actually proceeded in, into an unexpected territory so eventually i'm not going uh, into the details of the syrian civil war but we know that eventually what happened was that bashar al-assad with the help of the russians and the iranians turned around the civil war in most of the syrian territories whereas on syria's border with turkey the kurds who also were oppressed by who had been oppressed by assad's government the turks emerged as a new political entity which is ypg and uh, you know because assad's central government got weakened and assad also took a tactical position of leaving the kurdish region of syria in its northern region and defend its core territories against you know a plethora of militant groups and the united states was also supporting the kurds in the syrian kurds because because isis was you know rising as a major force in that region so you are saying that even both the us and the assad government were supporting the syrian kurds in the northern regions assad government was not supporting the kurds but assad government took a tactical position of withdrawing its troops from the kurdish region so that it could defend its core territories which included let's say damascus uh, you know uh, latakia aleppo hama homs etc etc so assad uh, realized that it he was not in a position to defend the whole of syria so he withdrew his troops from the kurdistan so ypg was already there ypg is a major uh, syrian kurdish militant group so that gave much more space for the ypg and also you see uh, you know isis isis took over uh, their azor and raqqa first in syria and then isis was expanding its influence to kobane they took over kobane and the first city that was liberated from the hands of the isis was kobane in 2015 and the city was liberated by the syrian kurds and they got air cover from the united states so this actually one of the results of the syrian civil war was the rise of the syrian kurds as an autonomous political entity then across the border erdogan saw this and then he felt threatened by the rise of the syrian kurds because syrian kurds ypg is an ideological brother uh, brotherhood movement of pkk at least from the eyes of uh, uh, erdogan so if a ypg becomes an autonomous entity if the syrian kurds establish an autonomous territory just across the border that would embolden the pkk and that would raise new security challenges to turkey so this is where erdogan's calculations his bet on the syrian civil war went wrong and this is where he was forced to you know restructure his policy so his policy from his policy shifted from defeating assad or bringing down the assad regime to creating a buffer between the syrian and turkish border to be specific to create a buffer between the ypg and the pkk this is what erdogan has been trying for the last 3 4 years so in the past his moves he made some moves he took territories in afrin he took territories in other places of the border region but also he persisted he he faced strong resistance from both the russians and the americans but now i think erdogan is thinking that uh, the situation is much more favorable for turkey to make the next move right so you are seeing that the situation uh, according to erdogan is much more favorable to turkey now what does this uh, favorable to turkey really mean does it have anything to do with the fact that the two big powers who may have an objection to this kind of an adventure namely russia and the us are both uh, have some in some way so to speak 
their hands tied russia with the ukraine war and and the us sort of uh, sort of anxious that turkey does not uh, put the spanner in the works in terms of the sought after nato membership for sweden and finland where turkey has exercised the veto power are these two factors uh, sort of uh, relevant in this context where perhaps erdogan thinks it's an opportunity for turkey to push forward exactly exactly uh, see um, you look at the ukraine war one of the most important geopolitical implications of the ukraine war is that it frees up space for turkey to operate in west asia because let's say that the russian intervention in syria in 2015 september was one of the most important moments of the syrian civil war after the russians went into syria they turned around you know uh, um, the civil war they, they turned around the civil war and the russians and assad they wanted uh, the whole of syria to be taken back to be liberated taken back from the rebels so they took back uh, aleppo they took back uh, much of uh, the damascus surroundings they took back hamas uh, homes they took back hama uh, but the russians stopped at the gates of idlib idlib is controlled by both jihadists and the rebels and the rebels were directly backed by the turks so the russians stopped at the gates of idlib because they did not want to antagonize the turks completely right so there was some kind of an understanding between erdogan and putin and you know uh, 3 years ago everybody the strategic analysts were wondering why putin is doing that because uh, asad had said that many many times that he wanted idlib back so uh, why uh, he was not putin is not going after idlib going for idlib but now we have the answer right because the russians i think uh, putin had the greater plans his his intervention in syria was not only about syria it was also about neutralizing turkey and israel so uh, on idlib they had some kind of an understanding so what erdogan wanted was that he did not go all the way into uh, northern syria because the russians were opposing that and the russians did not go into idlib because if the russians take over idlib that would create that would trigger another flow of refugees into turkey so there was some kind of an understanding but now you see the russian hands were pretty weakened after the ukraine war because in the ukraine war the turks have not joined the sanctions and uh, you know they continue despite being a nato member the turks continue to play a mediator's role and uh, and the russians are completely preoccupied with the war which is going on in ukraine so their hands were weakened they are tied up in ukraine so that is one th- so that is the weakening of the russian hand in the very complex relationship between turkey and uh, uh, russia speaking of this relationship between turkey and russia isn't turkey uh, also sort of supplying those bayraktar drones to ukraine Yes, Turkey is supplying drones to Ukraine, but Turkey refused to impose sanctions on Russia, which means a lot of Russian businessmen have opened up business in Turkey after the sanctions uh, were imposed on Russia. So Turkey is practically sitting on the fence, you know, and Turkey is appealing to both sides. They supply drones, yes, but at the same time they refuse to toe the NATO line, and they continue to remain the link between NATO and Russia. They continue to uh, hold the negotiations. and erdogan's formal position is that ukraine has to talk to russia and find a diplomatic solution to the crisis 
which is uh, markedly different from uh, his European allies or America's position. So yes, Turkey is uh, playing a neutral role or it is kind of appealing to both sides. That is, and I think Putin is comfortable with that because uh, Turkey leaves some kind of an economic channel open for Russia. And at, at a time when Russia is under sanctions, I think that is vital for the Russians. And this is a result of the complex relationship equation which they have. But now Erdogan sees that uh, after the war, the Russian hands got weakened. And on the other side, the Americans also need Turkey because if you have to offer membership, if you have to take Sweden and Finland into NATO, at the end of the day, you need a clear clearance from uh, the Turks. You need a unanimous approval in NATO. So practically, Turkey, from a geopolitical point of view, I think Turkey has emerged stronger, which was not the case five years earlier. So Turkey has many more cards on its side. It can. So it's possible that Erdogan is now thinking that this is the right time to make another military incursion into Syria because he won't face the kind of resistance which he did last time from the Russians and the Americans. He won't face that today. Right. So in terms of uh, the timing, of course, uh, there does seem to be a lot to be said in favor of uh, some kind of uh, adventure at this point of time. But Turkey has already uh, done this before. We know that uh, it entered the war in 2016 and it has conducted four uh, major operations. There's Operation Euphrates Shield, which happened in August 2016, Operation Olive Branch in Jan 2018, Operation Peace Spring in October 2019, and Operation Spring Shield in February 2020. So, what about all these operations and their objectives? Were they not successful? I mean, like, what exactly did Turkey achieve from these various uh, operations and what more does it want from yet another excursion into northern Syria? Uh, okay, so I think what Turkey achieved from its previous operations is that Turkey has managed to create, that Turkey has managed to gobble up territories where the Syrian National Army, which is not the Syria's, which is not Syria's official armed forces, Syrian National Army is a kind of an umbrella militant group which is directly supported by Erdogan. This is both, yeah, rebels exactly, SNA. So it is, it is an umbrella militant group which is which is anti-Assad and anti-Kurdish at the same time, and they are they are directly backed by the Turks. So SNA is now located in the territories Turkey captured from the Kurds. Uh, so Turkey has managed to create some space inside Syria. Okay. So if we are talking about uh, it from the perspective, through the perspective of international law, what Turkey is doing in Syria is not different from what the Russians are doing in Ukraine. But you don't see the same kind of international responses because Turkey is your NATO member. So that's a different matter anyway. Uh, but Turkey has anyway uh, gobbled up Syrian territories and turned it into some kind of a, a vassal enclave where the rebels, pro-Turkish rebels have been based. And then Turkey and, uh, and the Russians had earlier agreed to create a buffer zone along the border. And this buffer zone was to be monitored by both Turkish and Russian troops. So, which means uh, there would be, you know, um, uh, this buffer zone means there would be direct linkages between the Syrian Kurds and the Turkish Kurds. That is another thing which Turkey uh, achieved. But going forward, you know, I think uh, Erdogan, he, what, what he wanted was to complete this buffer zone along the border. He wanted a long buffer zone. That is one thing. 
and then secondly i think he also wants to shift shift a size of a sizable chunk of the syrian refugees into northern syria so uh, that is uh, uh, because at home erdogan is facing a lot of resistance uh, there is a growing anti refugee sentiment within turkey and i think he is going to face elections uh, uh, soon next year uh, it seems so uh, he is also planning to shift uh, uh, syrian refugees into northern syria into this territories which he was going to capture or he he was planning to capture and the third factor is that this this is historically these are kurdish dominated regions so erdogan has or erdogan is hosting some 3.5 million uh, syrian refugees predominantly sunni syrians so this plan is also i think from a larger point of view he is also planning to uh, host syrian sunnis in a historically kurdish dominated territories so which you know it's possible that he thinks that this would weaken the hold of the kurdish militant groups in the region so i think this is a long term plan so this is some kind of a demographic engineering he's planning to do i think so i mean this is just an assessment he won't say that of course the turks won't say that but definitely uh, they have said that they are planning to relocate i mean they haven't said about uh, demographic engineering but they have said that they are planning to relocate the refugees to northern syria and they have also started building houses etc etc communities etc etc so i mean one of the goals they are pursuing in my view is that to change the demography of the region and thereby weaken the hold of the kurds and weakening the hold of the kurds and weakening the kurdish militias which erdogan thinks is one of the security objectives of his operation and he definitely so he definitely wants the buffer zone he definitely wants to weaken the hold of the kurds on both sides of the border on both the syrian and the turkish sides of the border and he also wants to relocate uh, uh, the refugees which could take some pressure off him domestically and which could also help him to weaken the kurds in the region right now speaking of uh, the american perspective here now the sdf uh the kurdish uh, fighters they are a us ally we know they played a big role in sort of uh, defeating the isis militarily now how does the us view turkey's independent sort of assertiveness in syria now uh, is it like going to be straining relations further because we know this this is stf and ypg uh, so to speak they are a very strange uh, kind of uh, entity here because on the one hand they are a american ally and turkey is part of uh, nato and at the same time uh, for russia it, it should be fine if turkey is going after ypg because ypg is american aligned it would weaken american uh, military presence in the region so in that sense turkey would be sort of fulfilling russia's objective by going after the kurdish uh, militia so how does this equation work out uh, in terms of the relationship between the us and uh, turkey and russia here yeah so the us has cultivated very strong ties with uh, ypg that's right but at the same time i think uh, see when when turkey went into afrin the americans did nothing right and what the trump administration said immediately after that that he was withdrawing the american troops from syria which is fine i mean uh, you are present in syria illegally not through any international mechanisms but at the same time you went there to fight you know support the fight against the isis and then you just uh, decided announced they didn't withdraw 
they just announced to withdraw leaving the courts in jeopardy that basically emboldened the turkish hands so even when we say that i mean in in uh, especially in western media we always see that the us backed stf the us backed stf defeated isis etc etc but the us us provided weapons the us also provided air cover but the actual fight against isis was carried out by kurds in kobane in talabeyad in afrin so the entire kurdish syrian kurdish region where isis at one point of time was surging so they were defeated by the kurds uh, okay so the united states had played a role in it but more than that the us is not keen to expand this in this this partnership with kurds because they knew that that would be problematic for turkey so they were very cautious about it so in the fight against isis they supported sdf they helped to create sdf sdf is you know they they, they created sdf because ypg is seen as a terrorist organization by turkey so they did not want to call the group as ypg so they took a chunk of ypg and they, they added more militias some arab fighters etc etc and then called it sdf the syrian democratic forces basically sdf is ypg so they created sdf so this is the relationship the united states had and during the war against isis they provided weapons and they offered air cover and once isis was defeated in the region the us you know tactfully withdrew the us did not continue to support the ypg when erdogan went to afrin the us did nothing us just uh, turned away and erdogan took a chunk of afrin this was in i think 2016 or 2018 uh, so the us relationship with the kurds is a very tactical relationship so that's what i am thinking even now if they didn't do it in 2018 and 2016 they are not going to do anything now at a time when they need the turks so uh, i think erdogan also knows this erdogan knows that he has now now he has a better chance so i think the united states again would look away but the real problem is that again on in the case of russia yeah it's true that uh, russians see uh, ypg is not a russian ally definitely not but russia has security concerns and russia has strong partnership with assad and assad would not like uh, syrian territories being criminally taken away by the turks so this this happened in the past so he would like the russians to do something that is one thing and then at the same time you know the russians have uh, clearly voiced their concerns about uh, uh, turkey making a ground invasion because they also think that if the ground invasion actually happens uh, you see uh, ypg has already said that they are ending their daily monitoring uh, of isis operations in the region because they come under heavy bombardment of the turks so what would happen is that you know the kurds are the most important most powerful most organized force ground forces against the isis if you are taking them away that would open up space for isis to regroup this is a major security challenge that could pose to all countries in the region and this ground force is 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 very much important because you can't win wars only through your air force if that is the case the us would have won the war in afghanistan 20 years earlier right you need a credible ground force only then you can turn around the battlefield uh, um, conflicts so the kurds provided that that they could actually defeat isis in pitched battles in their territories because it is their territories they know the mountains they know the region they trained in the region so they were very able capable fighters on the battlefield and erdogan wants to bomb them erdogan wants to defeat them so this also poses security challenges to the russians 
to the Syrians as well. So I think it is a very complex situation, but Turkey Erdogan seems determined to pursue his goals, irrespective of the risks. But let's see how uh, the Russians are going to respond to it or what the Syrians are going to say. Right. You, you just mentioned that the, the, there is a security risk involved with the ISIS uh, fighters and with the, the STF saying that they won't be able to monitor their activities anymore. And what one other factor in the ISIS, uh, uh, the ISIS dimension here is the, the huge number of fighters, I mean, thousands of them which are uh, locked up in prisons in northern Syria. And these prisons are guarded by uh, SDF or YPG fighters. And now they have, their spokesperson has said that if Turkey is going to launch a military invasion one more, then we can't really guarantee that those prisons are going to be secure. Is that some kind of a posturing or is that a real, is that an attempt to pr pressure the US to sort of lean on Turkey to stop it or is the risk actually real? We don't know whether, uh, I mean, whether it is a strategy, whether it is a tactical move, we don't know, uh, particularly in the case of prisons. But, you know, in recent past, there were prison riots in the uh, Kurdish regions. Uh, in the prisons where they are, they are holding uh, thousands of ISIS fighters. Uh, and uh, see, YPG would be able to maintain the prisons, would be able to continue the monitoring, etc., etc., as long as they have the Rohawa, their Kurdistan intact. So once the Rohawa is under attack, it is already under attack, air attack. And if the ground invasion begins, I think it will begin. It's a matter of time. Once it begins, they are priority shifts. They are priority shifts away from dealing with ISIS, from regrouping or maintaining the prisons, etc., etc., to holding the air territories, to resisting uh, the Turkish uh, incursion. Because Turkish incursion means, I think, Turkey would send only its officers and airstrike, and the Syrian National Army would do the groundwork, would do the attack, ground attack. That's what they did in Africa. So it is very likely that the situation could turn into a major uh, combat or battlefield combat in the region. Then, of course, SDF's focus would also shift. So this is what I am saying. The conflict, the Turkey is, uh, you know, once the war starts, it is going to shake up the existing security, delicate security dynamics of this particular region, the northern Syrian and southeastern Turkish region. That could pose fresh security challenges. And as we know, the jihadist groups, particularly jihadist groups, they love chaos. You know, they emerge out of chaos. Uh, and Turkey uh, is not particularly bothered about this because in the initial stretch of the Syrian civil war from 2011 to 2015, Turkey had taken uh, a porous border policy and most of the international fighters who joined later joined ISIS or Jabhat al-Nusra, they traveled from across the world and they cross the border into Syria uh, through Turkey, through the Turkish side, which is, this has been very well documented. So Turkey, because at that time, Turkey's focus was on bringing down the regime. But then Turkey changed the policy after two things happened. One is the rise of the Kurds as, a, as an autonomous political entity in Syria. And then secondly, ISIS started targeting Turkey also in Kobane and other, even in Istanbul, uh, you know, the Islamist militants started directly attacking Turkey. Only then Turkey changed its policy. So Turkey had played this double game in the past. So it can play it again. That's what I am saying. Because Turkey sees now that ISIS has been organizationally weakened. And, uh, you know, the geopolitical situation is favoring a Turkish incursion into Syria. So it is ready to up the game again.
Right. I think we're running out of time now, uh, Stanley. I think it's it's fairly clear that any kind of a military <clears throat> adventure from Turkey now is definitely likely to sort of lead to further chaos. And we're already seeing in this entire scenario one offshoot or one effect of the Ukraine invasion of Russia, which seems to have created the geopolitical space for Turkey to attempt something like this once again. Thank you so much, Stanley, for sharing your thoughts and insights on this issue. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you, sir. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.